Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and my guest today has been on the podcast previously, but so much has changed, and I'm such a huge fan of her work that I had to have her back on the show. Since that last visit in October of 2021, she has opened a second location of her bakery, Sweet Magnolia's Bake Shop, as well as started a new venture called No No Good Eats. Katina Talley, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dan. Happy to be here. <laughs> I'm happy to have you. So for those who aren't familiar with Katina's businesses, first of all, I'm sorry for you because you are missing out on something really special. Sweet Magnolia's Bake Shop is a bakery that has two locations. You guys have all kinds of scones, uh, cake slices, cookies, donuts, brownies, just all kinds of confections, both savory and sweet. And then No Good Eats is a pretty still new partnership with Archetype Coffee that is offering kind of a new twist on the coffee shop breakfast. And we'll get into more of those in a minute because I, I really want to dive into each and kind of what's going on. But I want to start with you and that you essentially own three businesses now. I do. <laughs> That's a big step up from the last time you were on when you just had one. And that was a lot. What has that process been like as your, um, just your, your fingerprints on Omaha's, uh, bakery and restaurant scene overall have expanded you know it's been it's been both challenging and a lot of fun um i you know opening the second location for sweet mags has been was in the works for a long time and we did everything we could to prep for it and then by the time that it actually became a reality um things things had shifted and staffing had shifted and you know, inflation and all those different um, factors had had changed a lot since when that conversation first started. And so 2022 was a really difficult year for us, um, just kind of getting our feet back on the ground and, and me figuring out where I was going to be spending my time. Um, but it was, it was a challenge and there was, there was moments when I was like, what on earth am I doing? But um, it was also like, kind of a fun problem-solving game for me. And I feel like I've kind of just started that all over again now with having no good. I'm just um, – and, and this is the stage that I love is, like, you know, fig- figuring out what what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, how we're going to grow, um, and, and how to make something, like, 
truly successful and and some somewhere that people want to be. Do you feel like you're at a point now where all three are kind of running successfully? Are are, are there? I'm sure there's still <laughs> things you want to clean up everywhere, but things are like you've got your feet back on the ground. Yeah, I'm feeling a much more steady than if you would have asked me a month ago. I would have told you I'm losing my mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're in a good place, and you know I have some big decisions to make in the next few months with staffing. This is the first time that I have sort of created a management team and starting to put people in the place where they're doing some of the decision making that I have historically done for them. And it's nice. It's really fun to see people step into these positions and, you know, feel empowered to make make those decisions. Um, it's a little scary, but it's also like, I trust my people so much that it's, it's really fun to see like what this next stage could look like. How do you develop your staff to the point where you can trust them to say, I'm not going to be in the shop today. I'm going to be at archetype coffee or I'm going to be at the other location of sweet mags. I know that everyone who walks in those doors, like if they have a bad experience, they, they're going to associate that with Sweet Mags. If they have a good experience, they'll associate it with Sweet Mags yeah. going forward. Like that's a lot of responsibility to hand off to someone else. How do you create that trust between staff? You know, I think it just takes time. And I one thing that like I think there's a stigma in the restaurant industry that like owners aren't present. And one thing that I will always be is present. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes my day is just simply going from one location to the next and checking in and seeing what they need. Um, so I think it really just comes from them feeling like I am there to support and that they have someone they can rely on, um, helps them to feel appreciated and like they're not doing it alone and if you know if something is to go wrong then they always have somebody that they can come to and say like hey this didn't go how I hoped it would and just a heads up that like there might be a a situation coming coming down the line um but yeah I mean some of my staff have been with me for like four or five years at this point a lot of them have worked for me before and then come back. And I think that just says a lot about the relationship building that we have. Um, and I mean, I am, I'm some, I'm probably compassionate to a fault sometimes, but um, I love to like build those relationships with my employees, have it feel like a team effort. Um, yeah. And just really let them know that like, Sweet Mags is as much theirs as it is mine. Like, yeah, like everyone's like, oh, Katina owns it. But like they're there every day pouring their heart and soul into it too. So like I want them to feel like it's a reflection of them. Mm -hmm. For sure. Now, since our last conversation, you have gotten married. Congratulations. <laughs> I cannot even imagine what the dessert spread was like <laughs> at that wedding. It. I went back and looked at some old photos on Instagram. It looked incredible. But you took your honeymoon to Spain in September, about five months after you got married. When 
you are away, are you able to like fully unplug at all? Or is there a part of you that always feels like you have to be on even when you're somewhere else? You know, I will say when I was in Spain, that was the most disconnected I think I've ever been. And it was refreshing to feel like I could. Um, I think I checked email a couple times just because curiosity got the best of me. But I was able to mostly unplug, know that it was handled, trust that when I got back, there would only be a couple small fires to put out. And and it, it was really nice. And uh, I mean, especially, like I said, 2022 was a really hard year. So having two weeks to kind of just decompress was incredible and very, very needed going into the holiday season. But yeah, I mean, even, even when I'm unplugged from like the day-to-day of the restaurant or the bakery, I'm constantly thinking about it. So even just things as easy as like, popping into bakeries and being like, how can I apply some of these things that I'm seeing to my business at home, whether it's, you know, things from like a, an operating standpoint and how orders are taken or processed or packaged um, down to like, oh, this is a really interesting like spice combination or ingredient combination. And it'd be really neat to bring that back home. Mm-hmm. So you've talked about how 2022 was kind of difficult, and that was the year that the second location of Sweet Mags opened. So uh, the original location is located just at about 40th and coming. The second location opened in June inside of Millwork Commons. You've had about eight months with two locations open. What like what's the biggest difference between just owning and operating one bakery versus two? The biggest difference is that I can't be in two places at once. And, you know, for seven years, it's been if somebody calls out or something like, you know, something goes wrong, I'm the person who will pick up the slack or be there to, to cover. And when that happens in two places now, I, I've, to realize you know I can't do it all and I can't be everything to everyone and it's taken a lot of trust and um being able to delegate things that I've previously wanted to to manage myself um even things like things like social media where I used to go in every day, do the baking, start taking photos when the sun came up and do all the posting. And there's things that I just simply don't have the capacity for anymore. And even though there's things that I really love and I still like, you know, like to keep control over some of it, but I've, I've learned what I can delegate and, and it's, you know, I've had to identify the strengths of my staff and be like, wow, you're really good at this. And um, I want you to take ownership of this part of the day-to-day operating of the business. Mm-hmm. I think that's really healthy for you. And I think it's good for staff too, for to give them an opportunity to grow and, and take on some additional responsibility that creates ownership and, and helps them to develop. I just, it all like, and I, I fully admit, I used to be one of these people and now I feel like I understand a little more. I don't totally understand, but like, my favorite restaurants, like I see it all the time with Block 16. People just comment on their stuff and they're like, when are you going to open a location in West Omaha? When are you going to you know, move here? When are you going to do this? And it's just like the difference between having one location 
versus two or three is massive, massive because you can't be in two places at once and you have to have that that staff that you trust and it's taken you you know like you said seven years to build some of those relationships to where you can trust those people and it's great that you have it now yes absolutely and like even now after opening in millwork which is what like max two miles from from the original is i can't even fathom having to drive 30 minutes across town to to get to wherever I'm needed. Um, you know, it's something that you still hope for, but me as in where I'm at right now, I just can't even imagine if we would have opened out West, it would have been the death of me in 2022. I think, I think with how Millwork, like just that Millwork commons area is building out with archetype with coneflower coming in with clean slate, just opening, um, I'm forgetting, is it Cross Drain Brewery? Cross Drain, yes, yeah. Cross Drain. There's so much cool happening in there right now. I think you found a really a really good place to be. I'm so excited to see how it how it continues to grow because it's been it's been really fun to to see it develop over the even I mean, we've been in conversations about this since 2019 and just to see like every time someone new signs on, it's like yes, like this is this like is the direction we want to be going. The Avengers coming together. Exactly. Just all these yeah, awesome superpowers exactly. forming a team. Yes. I love it. Okay, let's get into No Good Eats. This is a partnership that you established with Archetype Coffee. Um, officially launched it in January. How did this come about? Um, you know, it's it's funny. Thanks to Millwork, um, Isaiah and I spent a lot of very slow days with just essentially just the two of us kind of hanging hanging around the the commons area. Isaiah is Isaiah Sheesh, the owner of Archetype Coffee. Yes. And um you know kind of like commiserating over the pains of of business ownership at times and one day he mentioned like yeah like you know the kitchen and I know that like my current manager is going to be moving on soon. And like, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. And in my mind, I was like, well, that would be really fun. And I was in a position where I had lots of recipes and ideas that didn't quite fit for sweet mags. And I was trying to figure out like, Oh, could we do like maybe like a pop-up basis out of, the millwork location or, you know, how, a, how do we get people to millwork? And then also like, how do I bring some of these ideas to life? And so the week of Thanksgiving, which I'm not sure if the public knows, but Thanksgiving week in bakery world is absolute chaos. And so the week of Thanksgiving, Isaiah called me and was like, Hey, you know, I don't know if you would want to, or like, you know, if you'd even consider it and you could tell he was like, kind of nervous to even ask me about it but he's like you know just maybe you would want to like take over the kitchen and in the middle of everything going on in my brain I was like I don't have time to think about the logistics of this right this minute but the answer is yes and I'll figure it out and so we sat down like the first week of December and kind of knocked out some rough details around what we hoped a partnership would look like and agreed that we would, you know, revisit it once we were kind of up and going. But, um, yeah, we did a launch date of January 2nd, and we, I mean, yeah, we're still figuring it out, but it's been 
it's been really fun and it's I'm really thankful that the partnership was born out of kind of a weird start at Millwork. <laughs> so you made it very clear on social media from the get-go, No Good Eats is a it's a separate venture. This is not Sweet Magnolia's 3.0 or even like a cousin of Sweet Magnolia's. It's its own thing. How how are those how are the two businesses different? I mean, they're entirely different. It's except that I own them. Um, the recipes are completely separate. Um, there, it's a lot of recipes that I have no good. It's a lot of recipes that I have pulled from personal use, um, things that I've either made through my childhood and young adult life or honestly through boredom during the pandemic. And um, yeah, I've we've been really sure to make sure that no good has its own identity and that it's not um you know like you said sweet max 3.0 it's not um the recipes and like the recipes are very much especially on the pastry side developed to be paired with coffee um sweet mags is doughy soft like you know like like grandma made it type pastries and the pastries at no good are you know, a little bit more for an adult palate. They have a like a crustier exterior. They're made to be, you know, a bite of scone, a drink of coffee. Um, they're a bit there's yeah, there's a little bit more grown up is what is how I describe pastries at no good. Mm-hmm. Plus, now you're introducing like you've got the the artisan toasts. Um, with different cheeses and stuff. You're introducing proteins with the breakfast sandwiches and the biscuits, which are just beyond flaky. <laughs> we'll get we'll get more into that yes. soon. But like you mentioned, you've kind of had some ideas percolating and, and you thought like, you know, you, you'd start to think like, what, what could a pop-up look like if I started having some of these, um, if I started putting some of these recipes to use? When Isaiah comes to you and you guys really start brainstorming and you're like, okay, this is going to happen. How did you determine and like figure out really what the concept was going to be? You know, it, it's, it's funny because I feel like I work best under pressure and if I, and I, and I love to, I'm an activator. So like when something's put in front of me, I'm just like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out now. And, um, I'm also like very strategic. So I like to, I like to like put into place a plan for how, like how something's going to work out. And so when Isaiah came to me, I was like, okay, I have, this is just like a very like specific example, but something that I had been dealing with at Sweet Mags was we would have excess everything parm buns, as you know, well, know very well. Um, and when we'd have let them left over, we didn't have an outlet for that. We're like, you know, cinnamon rolls, we have cinnamon roll bread pudding. Um, but the everything buns, I was like, we have to find a way to do this. So we brought those over, just the, the extra ones, and we use those in our strata. And so the, re- the menu at No Good was born from, we're making strata, and that's like something that we're going to have every single day. And then... How do we build out a, a full menu from there with like that, like pastries and strata as our base? Um, and then from there, we just started like adding on things that we knew we could deliver consistently and quickly. 
and and that's kind of been the name of the game is figuring out what um yeah, what can we deliver to a, a customer who's grabbing their morning coffee and wants to be out the door in no more than 10 to 15 minutes? Um, yeah, and that's, Isaiah has put a lot of trust in me to to figure it out. He said initially, he's like, you know, I want I want to say on, on the hot food, but he hasn't objected yet. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been fun to figure out kind of what, what works for us and what works for them and what works for customers. Mm -hmm. Hey there listeners. We'll get back to my guest in a minute, but I got to remind you one more time about certified Piedmontese. Anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me on social media knows that I enjoy my fair share of decadent meals and delicious desserts. And that's why it's really important to me to eat really clean between big meals. And that is one of the main reasons I love certified Piedmontese. Piedmontese cattle have extra muscle mass, which allows them to maintain a rich tenderness without much fatty marbling. In fact, ounce for ounce, certified Piedmontese beef has fewer calories and more protein than salmon. Don't believe that healthy food can taste this good? Just try it. When you order off certifiedpiedmontese.com, use the promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, for 25% off your order. You will taste the difference for yourself. If you are looking for steak, roasts, tenderloins, bacon, and more, check out certifiedpiedmontese.com and experience the certified Piedmontese difference today. And now, back to my guest. Now, obviously, you've owned Sweet Magnolias for seven years. It is, it's yours now. But when you first got it, I mean, it had previous owners. Like, there was, as much as you've built around it, there was a skeleton there. And you've, you've taken it in different directions. You've opened a second location. But it didn't start as yours. No goods. You're just starting from ground zero. You got right. to build this structure, whatever you wanted, however you wanted it to look. Like, how much fun was that for you to just have no boundaries whatsoever? Just the playground is unleashed. It's been really, really refreshing. Um, I think I don't know if I had mentioned this in my first podcast with you, but one of my biggest regrets with Sweet Mags was that I didn't rebrand early on. Um, so having a clean slate and being able to say, this is mine and I don't feel obligation to anybody to keep something unchanged. It's been really fun. (laughs) And, you know, building, building a brand, building, I have a background in journalism and graphic design. So building a brand from scratch and doing even just like, what does our logo look like and what are our brand colors and what is our voice going to be on social media is it's been really fun. Well, I actually want to talk about that a little bit because not only did you design this brand for no good, but you guys just went underwent a rebranding for sweet magnolias. Can you kind of just talk about the overall importance of a brand? I don't think most people, when they see a restaurant sign, they don't think about the font. They don't think about the colors. They don't think about how that's going to affect their minds as they enter that experience before they even sit down at the table or look in the pastry counter as someone who's just undergone this for both of her businesses how important (laughs) is brand Uh, I mean it's huge and I think it's obviously a incredible tool tool to communicate to the customer what to expect before they even get through the door Um, but it's also I think important for 
the people who work in your business because it gives the business an identity. And so like with Sweet Mags, up until, what, three weeks ago, I had done every iteration of our branding myself. And it had grown and evolved, and, and we'd done a couple different, like, small tweaks to it. But we'd gotten to the point where I was like, I just don't feel like this branding is representative of the business that we are at this point. So I sat down with my friend Katie and we kind of talked through like what is the persona of Sweet Mags and landed on something that is a lot like funkier and has a little bit more edge. And that's, I mean, that's definitely who Sweet Mags is, is someone who, you know, doesn't take themselves too seriously, but also like is really serious about pastries Mm -hmm. and like, and that's kind of everything that we communicate is like with that, with that edginess Someone who would have the pun get scone on the floor. Yes, exactly. exactly. And and then no good is, you know, it's still a little tongue in cheek. Um, every time I tell someone it's it's no good, I'm like, it's K-N-O-W. And it's the name is a, a pun in itself. And but like what it boils down to is just like really like simply good food and um no good was actually uh, like early, early on was like, I guess like a subtext for sweet mags, you know, like now we have like impolog- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. unapologetically indulgent, like early on, I was like kind of playing around with no good. And so that's where the name came from was like a different, like brainstorming list I had previously, but then to like build a brand and like pick fonts and um, colors that really like convey what that what the food is going to look like what the food is going to feel like um and like the environment that it's in so just one tiny piece of it like your background color for the logo is just that bright orange how did you decide upon that like what does that say about no good eats um you know it's funny because when i started it was one evening of just like pounding out the branding for no good and asking my husband a million questions about what he he thought this said or like seeing if his brain went to the same place mine did and I had started like initially all of no goods colors were green and it was like green and teal and like it was like a little bit cooler and I thought I was almost done and then I started to play around again and I started like put some red in and then I was like oh like I kind of like like this like warmer color palette and I think to me it just like it's um you're eating at no good in the morning um I like that it conveys like it's bright and like clean but it's also like warm and inviting to me it even conveys hey this is hot food hot yeah like you're going to be coming here that that orange it's reminiscent of an oven of the sun of whatever Mm -hmm. it might be like this is this is warm food when you grab it it's it's going to be good to go and it is um everyone has a breakfast sandwich every fast food restaurant every um just breakfast brunch restaurant every coffee shop has a breakfast sandwich as you're designing yours, like you're going to put a breakfast sandwich on the menu, 
how do you say this is how I'm going to make it stand out from all this noise around me? So interestingly enough, I am currently in the process of developing our signature sandwich. Um, so okay. we, we have a, we have breakfast sandwiches on the menu now and they are wonderful. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, the fact that you're working on something <laughs> better has me very intrigued. Um, yeah. So I'll just, I'll tell you where we started. And I mean, the truth is it started with a really good biscuit and biscuits to me are like a top three food, like flaky, buttery, a little bit of garlic. You cannot be like a really quality biscuit. And then from there it was, you know, how do you, how do we deliver this in, how do we make sure that this is consistent and quick? And how do we make sure that you get the perfect bite in every bite? So, which is why we have the square shape. If you have square biscuits, square eggs, square sausage. Um, and I think it's just like back to no good being like just very good, simple food. It is, it is the most basic version of a breakfast sandwich, but just executed really, really well. Do you, can you divulge anything about this upcoming breakfast yeah. sandwich? I mean, as much as you want or don't want to say, you're it's an open mic. I yeah. want to hear about it. Absolutely. So I've been playing around on my end with flexing my bread muscles. <laughs> so something that I haven't done since my ConAgra days, really. We, we make very little bread at Sweet Mags. So um, through developing some new bread recipes, I've been kind of playing around with, like, how those lend themselves to different sandwiches yeah so i've we're we'll be introducing some new breads we'll be partnering with otilly on a a signature sausage blend um i also have some really good friends out of california that do some chili uh dried chili flakes that'll be some interesting little like kick to the sandwich but we're in the, I, I mean, I'd say we're about two to three weeks out, but it's going to be good. I am very, very excited yeah. for that. So, I mean, what you're mentioning right now, you're constantly developing new stuff. You're not just sitting back and saying, okay, we've got, you know, our set recipes. You're working on new stuff. And that's what has amazed me. Every time I've come into No Good is like, yes, there's the set menu with, with the toasts, with the sandwiches, with the strata. I mean, the strata changes very frequently too. So I don't even know if I can count that as part of the set menu, but in the pastry case off to the side, there's different pastries in there all the time. They're like first time I came in, there was a uh, spinach or no, it's arugula Parmesan scone. Then there was sweet corn coffee cake. And then one time there was a sausage puff, which was like a pop tart on steroids, but with <laughs> sausage on the inside, it was incredible. How do you decide like, how, how do you come up with recipes? How do you decide what's going to be in the display case every day? Um, honestly, this is it, we're at the we're at a fun stage of owning a business where consumers don't yet have an expectation for like this is going to be here every day. Mm-hmm. And it for me and the the kind of person I am, this is the best time because you can just do what you want and you can kind of, you know, throw a dart at the board and see if it sticks. And that's, that has been sort of the source of a lot of the, let's just, let's just try this and see what, 
what the consumers think. And um, I don't know. Like, I think there is just, I don't know if this is all chefs or if it's something that's more unique to me, but like, just like sometimes you just have a feel for like what fits and what really works with your brand and your consumer. And when I think like when I'm ideating on menu items, sometimes I just come across something and I'm like, yeah, that's it. And then I figure out how to make it happen. And that's, I mean, that's my favorite part of this. This is why I do what I do is recipe development is what I live for. And it's, far and away my favorite part of my job. So. What's an example of that? Of just thinking of something and being like, yep, this fits the brand. I need this. Um, I mean, so this is like, this has kind of been a long time coming, but years ago I went to London and I had this halva brownie and it was just like one of the most interesting, like textural, but like indulgent, like pastry experiences I've had and I've always wanted to create something in that same vein and I mean we have you know we have tahini butterscotch at at Sweet Mags and and it's great but it's it's not what I had in mind um and so we put a tahini brownie on the menu at No Good and I basically created a tahini blondie and then separated out the batter and mixed just melted high quality dark chocolate into half the ba- the batter and then swirled it together and it's like chewy and rich and it's just it's literally the, the pastry of my dreams and it was that moment where I was like I've been thinking about this thing since 2017 and I finally have the place where it makes sense and they've been flying. They've been doing so well. So, what is that feeling like when you've had something in your mind for so long, and and then you finally get the opportunity to make it? And I'm sure you went through several. I don't even know how many iterations. different iterations of this and different recipes. When you finally get it and you bite into it, and you're like, "Yes, this is it." What is that moment like? Oh, it's just like the most satisfying thing. It's it feels, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like a huge win. And, and like, you know, I don't I'm trying to even think of like something else that's like this, but like, you just, you just know when, it, when you get it and it's even more satisfying when it only took a few tries, but, <laughs> but you know, sometimes like you, you work and you work and you work at something and you just like, can't quite make it hit. And when it finally comes together and like, especially like, oh, my favorite thing is when it takes like. A certain technique and some like I'll just be like for instance yeah give me <laughs> um, an example we so growing up my mom made the best rice krispie treats and they were she used peanut butter and she used maple syrup which I think is her mm, secret sorry mom for right telling there. everybody <laughs> um but I have such nostalgia and like happy feelings about those Rice Krispie treats. And so for years I had been trying to turn the, her Rice Krispie treats into a cookie sandwich. And I had tried so many methods for incorporating rice cereal into cookies and 
they just get chewy and gross and it's a bad eating experience. And, you know, I was like, maybe we put them in the buttercream and, and like somehow get the flavor to translate. And it just time and time again, I was just like, you know, this just isn't it. Not bad, but like not sellable. And this past fall, I was thinking about this again because I always associate them with taking the volleyball bus places. And I was like, we're going to figure this out. And I was candying nuts one day and I was like, what if we candied Rice Krispies and then put them in? And like that should theoretically prevent the moisture transfer that makes them so chewy. And so we candied a box of Rice Krispie treats and stirred them into some peanut butter cookie batter and it was magic it was so good like I think that's probably my favorite cookie sandwich that we've developed in years at this point wow it took quite literally years to figure out how to do it successfully how important is it to have like that emotional touch point like if you hadn't had that memory of your mom's rice crispy treats you probably wouldn't have spent years on that you might have spent maybe a couple weeks a couple months and just been like eh this isn't working I'm I'm leaving this one by the wayside, but you kind of had that anchor point, that thing you were chasing, like how many of your recipes have something like that, where maybe it's not as directly tied as that one is, but it's like, there's something emotional about this that I need to achieve it. I'd say all the great ones do. (laughs) That's, um, all, all of my very favorites and the things that I am the most proud of are things that have a pretty tangible, like nostalgic tie back to like childhood or travel or, you know, some specific memory. All right. I want to transition over to Sweet Magnolias and talk a little bit about the second location. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to uh, Marissa and Uni at No Good Eats because I know you've you've told me previously how important they are in this whole mission. You couldn't do it without them. So and make sure we give them a shout out yes, here. Yes, absolutely. They have been so integral into the early success and, you know, very good insight into what they already know works. So, love them. <laughs> okay, so Sweet Magnolias. You uh, have owned that since 2015. 2022, you opened the second location. You said 2019 was when you were first in conversations to start opening a second location. As an owner, how do you know when you get to the point that, yes, I'm ready to expand past one location? Uh, For me, it was mostly like sides and space. And we found ourselves saying no to more things than we said yes to. And that just drains your energy. And it's a, it's a, negative interaction for a customer and it is it's hard to keep doing as as a human and and disappointing people is the worst feeling so after you know saying we could take essentially max seven cakes a week just because we didn't have anywhere else to put them and um realizing that our wholesale business had grown to a point where we were running out of space to store even just the basic uh, shop items. And we were, it was a struggle. It was a constant headache, just spending time even thinking about like, how are we going to make everything fit into this like 700 square foot building? Um, So I guess maybe like, 
you know, it was more like the customers told us versus like I made the decision. It was just like, oh, okay, it's time. And then the pandemic hit. And I mean, like, thank, thank God I hadn't expanded already because I think that could, I mean, it very well could have sunk both businesses. Um, but um, people, I mean, customers were excellent through the pandemic and it, it didn't take long before we were right back to, okay, yeah, it's time. So yeah, come, come May of, well, it was May of 2020 when I finally signed the papers. So it was, it was a fairly quick turnaround, I guess. So when you make that decision that, yes, this is the right time, what is the search process like to try and find where that second location is and how did the opportunity at Millwork come about? Oh, yeah. So we, I had been touring, well, yeah, I'd been touring spaces for quite some time, kind of like every time I'd pass a building that caught my eye, I'd reach out and see who owned it and who who would be leasing it. And there were several spots that, that felt almost right. And then, um, Jess Lobotsky, who does a lot of the like community management at Millwork reached out. We had met through Omaha things and he was like, Hey, I don't know if you would consider, you know, this new building that we're working in. And, so he took me down there, and it was still like a hard hat zone. So it was just almost impossible to even picture what it could be. And but like you know, it was cool. Like there's like this big, the big beams and the real industrial feel. And I toured it once, and I was like, I don't know. It's just like hard to like imagine that that's like what's it, what that's going to look like, or that it's going to be like you know conducive to to a restaurant. And. I toured it again a few months later and it was like coming, it was coming together a little bit more. And then it got to the point where I was like, um, there was this, well, where Sweet Mags is now, there's just this like one weird little corner that had excellent, uh, natural light. Um, and every place that I toured after I saw that space just felt like I was measuring it up to what that, what it felt like in there. And yeah, through like a series of negoci- negotiations, I wasn't sure that it was going to happen. And um, once Archetype signed on was like really the kind of the catalyst for like making it happen. But yeah, there was a lot of spaces that, that I considered and especially like, I don't know, it's it seems like so like, it's very like qualitative to be like, oh, there's just, like, a feel, and, like, there's, like, lighting, and it's, like, sort of, like, intangible things that you're trying to look for in a space, but what it really boils down to is, like, you know, personality and feeling like you're in a space that has a story and the the old brick and the natural light and all that is, like, ultimately what I was looking for. It sounds like a bit of a cop out to just say, you know, when you know, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's what I hear time and time again from restaurant owners. They'll just step into a space and for whatever reason, whether it's the brick on the wall or it's just the way that the kitchen is shaped, they're just like, this is it. And they just know. So it's very cool that you were able to find that. We've talked a lot about the importance of branding and vibe and personality of a space as you were opening the second location of Sweet Mags, did you want 
the the personality to be the same as the original location or were there differentiators between those two? Um, I wanted it to be largely the same, but a little bit better if it could be. There is a beauty to being in an old building, but there's also a downfall, which is just, you know, everything is kind of collapsing around you at all times. And (laughs) that's how I feel about the original location is like, we're just constantly fixing and mending and like, I hope there's an end, like a light at the end of the tunnel that like one day I'm going to be able to look at that space and be like, this is how I want this space to look. Um, but it's been seven years and it's, it's just a process. And so designing a space from scratch, um, that both like used all the elements that I love from sweet mags and improved upon the ones that have been making me crazy for seven years. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. I worked with a team out of um, Kearney, Nebraska to do a lot of the design work and having a team that just understood the vision and um, helped source like some really like cool elements. It, I think it resulted in a really interesting space that is both unique and gives a huge nod back to where we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, another part, a big part of the Sweet Magnolias brand, I would say, is the strong stances that you take on social issues and the uh, the organizations that you contribute to. You you are very clear, like who you support. Like for example, you donate profits from Pride items to a local LGBTQ um, supporting organization. Um, the day after Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. You guys donated 81% of your total sales to Planned Parenthood. I, I think it's really cool that you're willing to be out there because a lot of restaurants, I think, just sit on the political line. They just they, they don't really take a stance on any issues. They're just kind of, hey, I'm a restaurant. I'm there. And that's totally fine. That's their mm-hmm. right. But you've chosen to speak out a little bit more and say, hey, these these are the places that we want to support and put our money into. Why is it that you've done that? You know... I've been thinking, so it being Women's History Month this month, I've been thinking a lot about the women who have impacted me. And I think when it comes to running a business with social purpose, I always look back to Hello Holiday, which was owned by Megan Hunt and Sarah DeVerdick. And they always were vocal and generous with, Um, donations to organizations that largely supported women. And I was relatively new to Omaha at the time, and I just found that so inspiring. And after owning a business myself, um, I think it was, it just felt important to like, you know, especially as my social media following grew, it's just like, I have a platform like you know small on like the grand scheme of things but like not minuscule and it just felt like dishonest to myself to not use that platform to speak up and yeah I mean some people I mean I've been called a controversial character which is fine like I don't we absolutely don't discriminate against anybody for the if they see the world differently but it just does feel very important to me personally um to use this thing that I'm pouring my heart and soul in and spending 
80 plus hours a week on um, to impact the world in a positive way, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, this is a part of you. You know, you have a following that you've built up. You've earned that. Any profits that you've earned, you get the opportunity to do what you want to do with those. I I think it's awesome that you're willing to go out there and, and take strong stances on things. And I don't I don't think I would go so far as to call you a controversial <laughs> figure in any way, shape, or form. I'm sure that there are some mean people online who love to do that, but I wouldn't say that in any way. I, I honestly do find it inspiring, like you said. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to go from a super heavy and like important question into like the biggest softball, easiest mm-hmm. question in the world. And that I got to ask you about the everything parm bun, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure the last time you were on, I had not developed my obsession with these yet. And now it's gotten to the point where for my last two birthdays, in lieu of getting me a birthday cake, my wife has gotten eight everything parm buns and like stuck them together with toothpicks. And I don't want anything different <laughs> moving forward. Just tell me the origin behind this thing, because I've never seen or experienced anything like it before. I'm sure there's more stuff like it out there, but to me it's new and it's unique and I love it. Yeah, so I, as you know, we make a ton of sweet items at Sweet Max, as we should, but I personally am more of a savory person and there's nothing I love more than like a doughy, savory, garlicky pastry. And... We went through, I mean, we did a few different variations of of savory buns, like a pesto bun, and like with pretty like lackluster response. But then for whatever reason, one morning I was like, you know, I there's nothing better to me than like a really good everything bagel. And I was like, cool, like we'll we'll make it happen. And I mean, who doesn't like cheese? So I just basically poured an entire bottle of Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning onto our dough, covered it in cheese, and put it in the oven. And we, like, as a staff, just, like, devoured them. And, yeah, I don't know. We're just like, we'll we'll throw it on the menu. And it's funny because, I mean, we owe the success of it, or I guess the wild success of it to you because you up, up until then it was kind of like, oh, you know, it had its own little, like, fan club, but, Nobody was, like, knocking down the door to get everything parm buns. And now, like, it's a permanent menu item because people love them and we sell out most days. And Yeah, so. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad that I was able to help shine a light on it. But you guys obviously are the ones who developed it. You deserve all the credit for making it happen. And, yeah, I, I just, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't had one, go get one. Like, this is... My wife and I, we don't even have them for breakfast. Like, our thing is, we'll have them at the end of the night when we're just, like, winding down, watching a TV show. We'll be like, is today an everything Parma Bond day? Today's an everything <laughs> Parma Bond day. And, like, that will be, like, what gets us <laughs> through to the end of the day. It, I'm going a little bit crazy on how much I like these things, but it's just true. Anyway, as we wrap up here, um, we're coming up on eight years of ownership in Sweet Magnolias in August. Like... That's longer than most restaurants or bakeries last overall. I mean, eight years is a long time. Have you gotten a chance to just step back and kind of reflect on all that you've been able to do? I yeah, Yes. Um, I am a fairly reflective person, and I think um, 
like thinking back to where I started. I was also asked the other day this question. So um, somebody asked like, you know, did you always want to own a bakery? And I was going through the story of like how I kind of fell into sweet mags by accident and I didn't have time to like think about making a different decision. And so like, it's just, it's kind of been a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind eight years, but um, yeah, the fact that I've been doing this longer than I've done any other thing in my life is, is pretty wild to think. And, you know, I, I don't want it to end even on the, on the bad days. I'm still just like, Oh, like I do love this. And like, even when I'm feeling like beat down, just like, yeah, but I get to go to work and make cookies today. So like, that's pretty cool. So it's good. It's like, I'm, it's wild to think how much Sweet Max has grown and all the people that I've met through it and the relationships that it's created. And um, yeah, I like, it's super sentimental, but like, I just can't imagine what my life would have looked like if I hadn't made that leap. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think it's cool, like too, like being at the the very beginning of no good and thinking about where that could be in an, in eight years. Um, I recently had a someone who's looking at buying a coffee shop reach out, and they're like, "Were you afraid when you first started?" And I was like, "Yeah, if you're not afraid, like you should be. It's very very hard." Um, but they were working on their business plan and. I kind of have a controversial opinion on business plans, but I think they're kind of, it's largely a fairy tale because if, if we think that we know what the next three to five years are going to look like, we're really joking ourselves. But when I look back at how far Sweet Max has come, I could have never dreamed that we would be here. I could never dream that there would be two. I could have never dreamed that I'd be opening a third spot. Um, and it's, it's really, really cool to think about what, I mean, the next 10 could look like, so... Do you allow yourself to think that far ahead or do you just kind of go week by week, month by month, just kind of see how things evolve? Yeah, I'm definitely more of a of a kind of play-by-play type person. I think it's nice to have goals and like big ideas of where you hope things are headed, but I mean, I mean maybe it's the pandemic that really like shined a light on this, but and nothing feels guaranteed. <laughs> and so it's just, yeah, I'm, and like, honestly, like it is just sort of like the way I live my personal life too. It's just like, oh, I kind of feel like doing this today. And so I, I like that. I like remaining, um, you know, moldable and uh, just kind of going with the flow. So well, Katina, you own two businesses, one of which has multiple locations. This is your day off, and you've <laughs> taken time to come in and do this podcast. You've, I've taken more than enough of your time. I need to let you go and enjoy some much-deserved R&R. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I, I really appreciate it. Listeners, like, Sweet Mags has built its brand. If, you're, if you've been in Omaha for any amount of time, you've heard of it. You've probably been there and experienced it. You know it's great. Just go again. <laughs> and again and again and check out uh archetype coffee especially the location in little bohemia there's like no good eats is doing some really cool things and now i'm super pumped about this new breakfast sandwich 
when this episode releases, that should be pretty close to dropping, hopefully. So we'll see what happens. But just keep your eyes on that. Follow No Good Eats. Again, that's K-N-O-W. Good Eats on Instagram. Good way to keep up with everything that got going on there. Katina, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Of course. Thanks, Dan. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.